before you right now, Lord. And Lord, we're so thankful tonight, Lord, that we once were held in bondage to Egypt. But God, you sent a mighty message to us, Lord. It's a message of liberation to remind us, oh God, that we're not forgotten, we're not forsaken, we're not abandoned. In our moments of weakness and despair, God, you came on the scene, Lord, when things were rough and, Lord, things were out of sorts. But yet, God, you made it all perfect. So, Lord, we just come before you tonight. We invite your presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. The enemy is the one that has made the accusations against us. Oh, God, there's no one there to hold trial against us today. Father, you've liberated us, Lord. And we are your children. We are your bride tonight, Lord. And we come to hear from you and we, we just invite you. God, we invite you to have special care of your bride. God, and we ask that you, that you would tonight, Lord, just practice due benevolence unto us, Lord. As we give ourselves completely over to thee, O oh God, may you take us, may you enlighten us by your word. May you lift us up tonight into heavenly places, God. May you remind us just how much you care. So, Lord, we just commit this service to you tonight. We ask your blessings to be upon it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to look here in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. We're going to read a couple portions of Scripture. We're going to look at Deuteronomy 7 through 6, or 6 through 9, and then 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, and then Psalms 55, verse 22. Say amen when you get there. Amen. amen. Well, let's get there. Let's have church. You come to have church tonight? says, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Sometimes you don't feel that way, do you? But the word says, thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the earth, the face of the earth. And the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for ye were the fewest of the people, but because the Lord loved you. Church, you know, sometimes we need to be reminded of the love of God. Sometimes we get so caught up in the things that we're going through and the trials of life and everyday living that sometimes we forget that God, who created heavens and earth, he cares so much for us. So we look here, he says, but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he has sworn unto your father's Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of, of the bondmen and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt? Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God and he, the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to the thousand generations. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. And this is where we're going to draw our context from tonight. The Bible says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care, and that word care there is anxieties. Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Psalm 55 and verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. God bless you, church. You can have your seats tonight. 
You know, as I was studying this week, thinking about the recent news that we have gotten from Sister Jenny and the battle that now we, that she is facing by not only her, but we as a church body are facing. And I looked at this and I was in contact with Brother Lance Parker earlier this week in regards to Sister Erica and She's been in a lot of pain lately, and they hadn't started the new treatment yet, and they're asking or asking prayer that they can go on a family vacation. They hadn't had one in quite some time, and, and then, of course, we know the situation with Brother Ron and, and Brother Joel and many ones that are facing cancer and Sister Carol Jackson and different ones like that. You know, I thought it would be good to be reminded, no matter what we're facing, that God still cares. No matter what we're going through in life, God still cares. That's what I want to speak to you tonight on is he cares for you. And we, we look here and we go back to Genesis 1 and verse 26, kind of back in the previous series that I was working with. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of man created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them. And remember that word there, blessed, means he praised or he adored them. He adored his creation. So God just didn't make the highest form of creation is now in the image of himself. God didn't look at that creation with disdainment, but God looked at that creation with love, with admiration. God reverenced it. God looked at it and, and he projected all that he was. He projected into that because that was a reflection of who he is. And we find here, Brother Adam would tell us, in, in Christ the mystery, his God had a secret mystery and he had it before the foundation of the world in the back part of his mind. There was something that he was trying and he was going to achieve and he had a motive for doing it in order to let himself be expressed. And now God had a purpose and a hidden mystery. God, notice what Brother Bram says, God that he had in his mind before the world ever began, how that's unfolded right down to this present hour that we're living in. Notice this was preached in 1963, but I believe we can fast forward it all the way up to 2023 and realize that God's great mystery, God's great secret, very from the very beginning when he created man in his image and he poured his love into that creation, God has not forgot his love for his children. God has not forsaken the love and the admiration that he has for his little bride. No, God, even now in 2023, he looks upon you with love. He looks upon you. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're going through. He knows the difficulties of your life. He understands the choices that you've got to make. But I want you to know tonight, even like Tabernacle, that he cares for you. He's never stopped not caring for you. But God has always cared for you, for your well-being. And now it's being unfolded. Some almost 60 years past the prophets leaving the scene. He's still here projecting his love. See, the life that we are living, the life that you are living, is a mystery that's being unfolded. And see, we know by revelation that the Word of God said that the mystery that, was, that he had purposed was his coming, but his coming would be in bride form. It would be the bride coming of Christ. And all that God was, he poured it into Christ. And all that Christ was, he pours it into you and I, the bride. So we know that he, he understands Everything about us. I want you to know that you are his focus. Sometimes we lose focus, but God has never lost his focus of you. You know, 
I have a wife, some of you have wives, some of you have husbands, and as I have a wife, and my focus is to her. My love is to her. My, my mind and my eyes and my, my affections are not toward another. They're only toward my wife. And that's the same way it is with Christ. His affection and his love and his due benevolence is not directed toward another. It's only directed toward his bride. And he cares. You know, I care to provide for my family. I care to provide for my wife. He cares to provide for us. So he adores his creation. His heart is filled with love for his creation. And we find in the beginning was the thoughts of God. And you were those thoughts then. You are those thoughts now. The only difference between those thoughts then and those thoughts now is those thoughts were in their infancy back then. But now they're in the maturity. We're not looking at an infant church. We're not looking at an infant bride. But now she has come to fulfillment. She's been through seven church ages. She's been through the dark ages. She's been through all the, the difficulties of life. And now she's mature because she's received a, a mature word that's matured her and dressed her for the bride coming, for the, or the, the, the groom coming of, of Christ. He's coming to, for one thing, to catch away this bride. That shows that he has love for you. That shows that he cares about you. And he knows what you're going through. And yet God continually projects himself toward us. See, we were in the thoughts then. And if we were in the thoughts then, we would be in the thoughts today. So no matter what you're going through tonight, whether you got sickness in your body, you got difficulty in the home, you got marriage problems, whatever it may be, young people, it could be depression and anxieties and fears and addictions and things like that. But I want you to know God's eye is upon you tonight. No matter what you're going through, his eye is turned to your direction. He's acutely aware of our situation. He knows when you're hurting. You know what? You can hide it from mom, from dad. You can hide it from the pastor. You can hide it from brother Aaron, myself. You may be able to hide your hurts, but you can't hide your hurts from God. He knows your hurts. He knows the pains. He knows when you feel dejected. He knows when you feel rejected. He knows your isolation and your loneliness, and he cares tonight. He knows the battle that you've been fighting, and he knows the battle that you will fight. He knows how the enemies afflicted you. He knows the circumstances. These things didn't catch God off guard. God's aware. So much so as I think about Brother Philip, some two weeks prior to having heart surgery, God performed a supernatural heart surgery because God cares. Brother Philip, I hope you don't mind me sharing that. But see, God is, God is so interested into the minute details of our lives. He cares. See, God knew what he was going to do in the natural, but he, took, he had to take care of it in the supernatural first. Because there were some things clogged. And if we're all honest, sometimes we get clogged up with the things of the world. But God cares, and he's got a specialist out there who knows how to come in on a Wednesday night and unclog the arteries of our life and let the Spirit of God begin to flow through. But then you get things lined back up. And you know what? The recovery period from this operation, it ain't three or four or five months. It's immediate results. Why? Because he cares tonight. He's a master surgeon. He's a great physician. And he knows what we're going through, church. I like what he says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And I shared this last time. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. 
don't let this be just some casual scripture, some little pick-me-up pep rally scripture that we be. No, he knows the thoughts. And that word there, thought, is he knows the plans. He knows the purpose that he has for each of us here tonight. Thoughts of peace. Notice, thoughts of peace. A purpose. A plan of peace. And the word peace there is completeness. Health, prosperity, welfare, tranquility, friendship, safety. Oh, praise God. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. That word expected means the desired end that God has for you. You know, we got desires of our own. We got expectations of our own. But this is God's expectation. This is God's desire. This is where God is wanting to bring us to, not where you want to bring yourself to. Some of you down here, you want to raise up here. But God's going to take you way beyond your own ambitions, way beyond your own desire. He has an expected end. And that word end there is reward. God's got a great reward for you. And if he didn't love you, he wouldn't have it for you, church. As we heard Sunday, God is going to prepare us. A place for us that where he is we're gonna be there let me tell you i'm not offering anybody just to come into my house but those that i love those that i cherish and that's what god has done he's not inviting just anybody to his house but it's those that he cares for those that he has love and admiration for god cares for us tonight to give you an expected end verse 12 says then you shall call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Sometimes we feel like our prayers don't lift above the ceiling. But he says, you go and pray unto me, and I will hearken. You shall seek me and find me, Brother L. Oh, when you shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found, Brother Johnny. God has given you promise after promise after promise. He cares. Notice, saith the Lord, I will turn away your captivity. Oh, my. Take me out of Egypt. Oh, and I will gather you from the nations and from all the places whither I've driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. See, God's promise for us, he is coming to bring us back to the homeland of his word. No longer dwelling in denominational man-made ideas. No longer out there in this camp and that camp wandering around, just going around the mountain, going around the mountain, going around the mountain. No, we got, we're at a Kadesh. As we've been here, we're at a Kadesh. It's time to cross over. And God has provided every means necessary to take you into the land. We've seen fruits of the land. We've got divine healing right here in the land. We got restored glory right here in the land. We got blind eyes beginning to be opened right here in the land. I'm telling you, it's a good land, church. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land that God has provided for you because he cares for you tonight. Brother Bram said it's a perfect place calling you to that perfection. And you have to be perfect to get there. The Bible said so. Jesus said, be you therefore perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's a perfect kingdom. So it must be a perfect people come. Oh, but we're too busy looking at our mistakes. We're too busy focusing on our flesh. Oh, I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have done that. But it's a perfect people in a perfect place that's been prepared by a perfect God. Notice he says, because you have to stand to be married to a perfect son of God. You must be a perfect bride. Oh, my. 
Brother David, you didn't marry an unperfect bride. She's perfect for Brother David. Brother L, she's perfect for you. Sister Lydia, you're perfect for Brother Aaron. Oh, I could go around the church. Jessica, you're perfect for me. Well, even like Tabernacle, you're perfect for him. Look, you say, oh, Brother Joe, you don't have mistakes. Yeah, I got mistakes. But she's perfect for me, and I'm perfect for her. Because the love that we share, it glosses over all the imperfections. And what am I telling you tonight? God knows your imperfections, but yet he still loves you. And he turns his eye towards you. And it's an eye of admiration. And it's an eye, he's not looking at your mistakes. He's not focusing on your failures. He's focusing on your strength. He knows what's inside of you. And he loves you tonight. Hallelujah. He's going to bring us back to his side to rule with him. Brother Bam says now in the exposition of church ages, he the mighty conqueror is head over the church which is his bride. He bought that bride. He owns her. She is his and his alone. And he cares for her. Oh, hallelujah. You know, and I think about what Brother Andrew Spencer said over me when we were at that youth camp. He said, God will take care of you when man don't want to take care of you. Church, we don't put our focus on a man. We don't put our, uh, our attention on man, but God. Says he is obligated, church, to take care of you. He's obligated to see you through. Let me tell you this. He's obligated in every situation that you face. Call upon me. I will be found. Pray to me. And I will hear. Notice in Psalms 33 and verse 18. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Upon them that hope in his mercy. To deliver their soul from death. And to keep them alive in famine. So the eye of the Lord is always upon the elect. Job 36, 7. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous. He withdraws not his eyes from the righteous. But with kings are they on the throne. Yea, he doeth establish them forever, and they are exalted. First Peter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ear is open, are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. See, his eyes are continually turned toward you to protect you. To watch over you. To care for you. And his ears are continually open to hear your slightest heart's cry. Think about Legion. For a moment he came to himself. God have mercy on me. And that was all it took for Jesus to get in a boat and across the raging sea. Because he cared. And if he cared that much. To risk his life and the life of his, his disciples for one man bound in a graveyard. What about us tonight? I know there's times that we feel like maybe we're, God doesn't care. His eyes are not torn. We're going through a lot, of, a lot of difficulties in life. But church, turn your attention back to the word like David. Encourage yourself in the word. Look up what the word has. Look up what the word says about the situation. You know, I was just thinking about all these things and, and, you know, Sister Jenny's situation and just all the cancer that we keep hearing about and, you know, difficulties in families and our young people are being thrown out in the world, you know, many prodigals out there. And I just think, God, it's nice. It would be nice to be reminded that we're your focus. 
God, it would be nice to be reminded that you care about us no matter what we're going through, no matter how bad it gets. Lord, just to know that your ear is turned toward us, your eyes focused on us, you care about us. Think about this. His eyes on the sparrow. I know he watches over me. Oh, church, if I could sing for you that tonight, I'd sing. Why? Why should we be discouraged? Think about it. Why? When the shadows come, when your heart feels so lonely in heaven, heaven is our home. But I want you to know tonight, Jesus is your portion. This earth ain't your portion. Your home ain't your portion. Your car is not your portion. Your job is not your portion. But Jesus, he's our portion tonight. Oh, church, and if his eye is on the sparrow and he's watching where it lands and he watches when it ascends, what about that same God, that same creator watching over me, knowing where I'm going, knowing where the footsteps lead me to? He watches over you tonight, church. We got a reason to shout. We got a reason to dance. We got a reason to worship God. Why? Because he cares. He cares for little old you. God cares. His eyes are on the sparrow. Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. So God's eye is always towards you. Always. Always. Well, brothers, y'all got a bad diagnosis? Always. Brothers, y'all, I'm in a lot of pain tonight? Always. Brothers, y'all, my family home, the dynamics is all dysfunctional. Things are not where they need to be? Always. Brothers, y'all, I lost a loved one. I lost my husband. I lost my spouse. I lost it? Always. It doesn't put limits. God's eye is always upon the righteous. Young people, his eyes are toward you tonight. Older people, his eyes are toward you tonight. You're not lost in the midst of the church. You're not lost in the midst of God's love and favor. God knows the intricate details. And God cares. God cares. See, you are the purpose. Let me say it like this. You are his purpose. Brother Bam will say you are the very heart purpose of God. Think about it. His heart beats because of you. In one place, Brother Bramble said that he is not even complete without you. Right. Brother Johnny, look, you're a great man, but you're not complete without Sister Doretha. Right. And you know what they say when you're, when you're married, you're done at that point, right? But God is not complete without his bride. Right. He needs you, church. We need him. He needs us. Don't think that you're just drifting through Laodicea and life is what it is and we'll just make the best of it. No, God's attention, God's affection, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. It's all been handed toward you tonight. There's only one bride. There'll be churches, churches, brides, brides, but there's got to be one. I say she's here. She's standing on her feet tonight. She is here in her maturity, dressed in the word of the hour. With all the affection of her heavenly bridegroom, turn toward her. Oh, church, you may make mistakes, but you're not a mistake. Notice, God, God allowed you to hear this message. Not the one I'm preaching, but the one that was preached back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. That's still being preached today. That's not just for anybody. 
Your prophet said that's only for the elect. Oh, who is that for tonight? Mama, that's me. When you look in the mirror of the word, you're not seeing somebody, some denominational believer, some this, some, some nobody, some I can never measure up. No, you're looking at the word made flesh today. And when you look in the eyes of God, you see your reflection. You don't see somebody else's reflection. You see, that's who I am. I'm bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, power of his power. I am him. The word has become me and all your old desires are no longer there. So notice now, he knows what we don't know. He sees what we can't see. And there's nothing that you will face that will defeat the purpose that God has for you in this life. We as a believer, we're going to have good days. Some of you are going to have bad days. Hey, that's just a part of being human. Don't blame God. But yet, God is concerned. And God cares. But see, Satan is going to do everything he can to get your eyes off the promise, to get your eyes off the word. But God wants you to focus on nothing but the word, nothing but the promise, nothing but the realities of his love and affection. Notice he would tell us in Ephesians that, that I have chosen you. God chose his bride like you brothers choose your bride. It's not the woman going around trying to get numbers and get digits, going to every camp meeting, trying to get some special hookup. No, he knows who she is. He formed her in the beginning, and he knows what she is in the end. And he chose her because inside of her is a reflection of his own character. So we see you are the very heart purpose. Brother Brown says this in the Smyrna Church age. The heart purpose, the eternal purpose of God was to take a bride of his own choosing. And that purpose was in himself and being eternal was decreed before the foundation of the world. You are the heartbeat of God. Woo. You are the heartbeat of God. His heart wouldn't beat without you tonight. I wouldn't be who I am tonight without my wife. He's not who he is without his wife. Oh, my. You are that elect lady. You are that chosen. You are that one that he's called, elected, predestinated for this purpose. And look, there's not a devil in hell can defeat, can stop, can hinder, can give a bad doctor's report, no matter what it may be, can hinder the purpose and plan that God has for your life. Because he knows the thoughts. He's got the blueprint, church. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, my. So Brother Ram says now, and I know my Redeemer lives, he says, no matter how little you are, how big you are, how unimportant you are, how Important you are, you are here to serve a purpose. And if we're here for a purpose, then there's nothing can destroy us until God's purpose is fulfilled. Nothing can harm us until that purpose that God has put us here for has been manifested. So no matter how much trouble we have, no matter how heartaches and sorrows that we go through, all of these are reasons and there's a reason for it. See, that's why cancer can be defeated in this age. Because God's got a purpose for each and every one of us here tonight. 
See, heart trouble will never defeat the purpose of God. Let me go on to say complexes will never defeat the purpose of God. Family strains will never. Depression and anxieties and nervousness will never defeat the purpose of God. Addictions, young people, you face things, looking at things on the websites, those kind of addictions, you think, well, I'm never going to get through it. They'll never defeat the purpose of God. You keep coming to the altar until the thing breaks off your life. You keep pushing. You keep, you keep struggling. You keep moving forward because God cares. But the man would tell us in the future home, he says, God in the beginning, when he thought of you and he thought of others like you, he thought of himself being tangible. God wanted to be touched. A God, like that little boy, Mama, I want a God with skin on it. Well, here you are. God manifested in sons and daughters of God in this hour. God was skin on. When he thought of you, he saw himself as a high priest. That would be touched by the feelings of your infirmities, of your needs, of your desires. When he saw himself, he saw himself come down and throw his arms out and take your stripes so that you could be healed. When he thought of you, he thought of others that would, they would whisper a, a, a very silent prayer. And yet he would turn his ear toward them and respond to that prayer. When he thought of you, he thought of some being held by prison bars and maybe denominational bars or bars of sin and unbelief. And yet God would come and he would shake all of hell to loose you from those bars so that you could be free. Some of us can really sing, this is how it feels to be free. Some of us have been held captive, held captive by sin, held captive by unbelief, maybe held captive by depression, held captive by complexes, and held captive by uh, family strains, and, or maybe it's some kind of sickness. We know what it's like to be free tonight. And you say, well, we, don't, we shouldn't worship like that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't thank God like that. Why, church? He released you. He let you out of those bars that Satan held you bound in. Let me tell you, you got a right to be free. You got a right to worship God. You were once held in prison, but God came and he loosed you from your Egypt. He led you to a promise. Eh? And you don't want me to get excited about that? You don't want me to be excited about the love of Almighty God coming down and caring for me? I'm not putting this all on shouting and emotion, but I'm telling you, it's worth getting excited about. Think about the Hebrew children. God cared enough about them. They refused, Brother Aaron, to bow to the pressures of the society that they were in. You know, that generation was woke. Man, they offended everybody. They wouldn't bow to music, and it just offended everybody that was in the political system. So much so that they threw them into a burning furnace. That not only that, but they heated the thing up seven times hotter. Let me tell you, there's not been an age like the age in which we're living in. You got drag queens coming after your children. You got the homosexual movement that used to be in the closet. Now it's up front and formal in your face. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, if they're not supported by, or they're not, uh, some big chain is not supported by the homosexual movement, they, they, they won't let you come in or whatever it may be. See, everything is now right here in full effect. We're in a fiery furnace, but I want you to know he's still God. He was God for them there. When they took that last step, he met them in the burning furnace. And when you take your hallelujah, when you take your last step and believe it on this word, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you make that step of faith. God is obligated to 
for you tonight. You may get a damn bad doctor's report. He said there's nothing that we can do. We only give you a small chance of survival. But I want you to know he is still God. And what did he tell his, his angels, Michael? Michael said, God, I'll go down there. You've seen them boys. I'll go. He says, nope. You sit back. This is a man-sized job. God just ain't letting anybody come to his elect. No, God himself. Look, when he couldn't swear by nobody, he swore by himself. What did he swear? He swore his affection to you. He swore his love to you. He swore he'd watch over you and keep you and protect you. God swore he was going to bring you through. Maybe the doctors report. Maybe they claim the road ahead is going to be difficult, fearful, and maybe very few survive. But just as those Hebrew boys, God started a fire so he could have fellowship. God starts a fire just so he can bring you into fellowship. We say, why me? He says, here I am. Here I am. See, God wants to display his power. He's still God of the furnace. So no matter what the doctor's report says, no matter what the medical experts say, no matter if they can't do anything else by the way of medical science, we don't look to that. We look to a God that cares. We look to a God that's given us a promise. We look to a God that's responded and answered and provided us a message. He provided us a way out. I hope you're not focused on staying here. Man, you'd be sorely disappointed if all your hope is in this right here. Mercy. See, Brother Bam says, our God is able to deliver us. How many believe that? But nevertheless, we will not bow to the image. He said, God had someone who would serve him and his purpose would not be defeated. Fire cannot defeat the purpose of God's plan. Oh, it goes, oh, I love that this morning. All the hydrogen bombs in the world cannot defeat the resurrection of the church. All the explaining away, Brother Aaron, all the explaining away of the mathematics and so forth in the intellectual world that has disguised itself, it cannot defeat the purpose of God. Notice, faith will never be defeated. God's purpose will never be defeated. And you are. God's purpose. You are. See, just as they refused to bow, church, we are not bowing to this world. We're not going to bow to their politics and their views. But when time came, God proved that he was God. Brother Brown said, when God stepped in that furnace, he began to talk to them about their future. Not about their past. Not about their mistakes. Not about their failures, but God began to talk to them about their future. And in your furnace, God doesn't remind you of your past. He doesn't remind you of your mistakes. He reminds you of your future. I got a purpose. I got a plan. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring you out of this furnace into an expected land, to an expected reward. To a wedding supper. And we're all going to look the same. We're all going to have the same coat on. The coat of the Holy Ghost. We're not going to get in any other way. You're not going to get in on good merits. So don't try to work your way there. But hey, we want you to work. Well, let's go ahead and put that on notice. But we don't want the whole focus to be works. Because faith without works is dead, right? 
But he says, now God came himself. He didn't leave it just for anybody or some, some angel. And God didn't leave this bride here in Laodicea just for anybody. But God came himself in a message. Through a messenger. Vindicated time and time and time and time again to tell you, I care. I care about your family. I care enough about you, I'm going to pull you out of Mississippi. I care enough about you, I'm going to bring you from the state of Washington. State of Washington. I care enough about you, I'm going to bring prodigals home. Oh, many years ago, we had a prodigal look up at a water tower. What's so big about a water tower? Life-changing moment. Because God cares. God, just a few years ago, God restored the glory to a little girl's hair. Why? Because God cares. Several years ago, we have several in here tonight. Sister Sharon, Sister Alana, Sister Marilyn, different ones, Sister Ruth, all defeated cancer. Why? Because God cares. And if God didn't care, they would have went by the way of the grave. But God cares tonight. And why am I telling you that? Because you need to be reminded, no matter what you're going through, no matter how low you get in life, I want you to know that God cares. He sees those moments of weakness. He knows those late hours. He sees you praying in the wee hours of the morning. God, help me. God, God me through this and I want you to know even the light God's ear is turned towards your prayer God knows your need God is going to respond to that need hold on just a little longer church morning is coming the day is about to break there's going to be a body change real soon church we won't be down here any longer why because he cares for us he cares so much that he sent us a word to dress us in in a wedding garment to leave this place God's got plans for earth too to burn it over Oh, my. God comes to remind us. When I was praying, the Lord just spoke to me. He says, I want you to remind them this. See, God comes to remind us today, even like that, you made him your focus. You've labored for his kingdom. You've honored him by keeping his word. You served him with a pure heart. You've received his prophet message. You've not bowed to the pressure of this current generation. And he says, I, I will be with you in your furnace. He's reminding us that I will be with you. No matter how old you are, how young, how old, I will be with you in your furnace. I will keep you in your darkest hour. I will uphold you in your weakest moment. I will protect you from the onslaught of the enemy. I will bring you to an expected end. I will come and I will snatch you out of Laodicea because I care. Because I care. You know, I went through a lot of hard struggles the last three years of my job. There's a lot of prayers went up, a lot of stress, a lot of tension in the home, but God cared all the way through. He knew the time, He knew the service. He knew the moment when to say, you're done with that. I got something better for you. I have an expected and I got a purpose for you and for your life and for your ministry and for your family. And so does God have that same purpose for each of you here tonight. God cares. Think about Rahab. Rahab was a harlot steeped in sin Turned out when she was a young girl, 
had no knowledge of the message? The only thing she heard was, hey, man, there's a pillar of fire and a cloud out there somewhere, and it's coming. That's all that she heard. But she had enough reverence for the message. She had enough respect for the messenger that she honored it by hiding the two spies. What did it do? Because her response to that, God responded to her because he cared. You think about this. I was thinking about this. I was like, Ma, God destroyed the walls of Jericho for one seed. God, he had to, brother. He had to go by way of Jericho. And there was a harlot there. She was living in sin. You and I may have never would have gave her a thought, said, man, she's from the red light district. We ain't wasting our time with that. But God had a rendezvous with Jericho and he had to destroy the walls so that he could get in and destroy her walls. And so God had to upplant some of you so that he can destroy walls that you've built up, that's been built up around you. And every house fell but hers. And it was on the wall. Because God cares. He goes, I can't let this little lady's house fall apart. Right here, what would they think about me? What would they think about my message if I destroyed every one of them? But God had to destroy all of them but hers. Not only did he do that, but he destroyed every eyewitness in Jericho. Where is your accuser? Where is your accuser? He done took care of it, church, because he cares. Oh, my. Hallelujah. So today we're living, we're living in Satan's Eden. I love how you brought that out Sunday, Brother Aaron. Satan and, and God's eating, mocking and laughing and snarling and snickering because his perfect bride fell. And now, in Satan's perfect Eden, God's got a perfect bride. Amen. And he says she won't fall like that first bride fell in his Eden. In his Eden, he's calling you out because he cares. He's not going to leave you here. He's not going to let you wander around. And You know, many times we feel and you hear Satan whisper in your ear. He don't care about you. Anybody ever heard that? Or is that just Joe Adams? Is that just 209 East Culver Street? Okay, we got some honest people here tonight. See, he comes and he whispers in your ear and tells you, God doesn't care about you. Because if he did, he would already healed you by now. Those headaches will be gone. This will be gone and that will be gone and you wouldn't be fighting this fight and this would happen and this would happen. He's always in your ear reminding you, tell him. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your children. He doesn't care about your health problems. He doesn't care about your marriage issues. He doesn't care about your family situation. He doesn't care about your financial woes. He doesn't care. So you might as well give up, walk away, and quit. Can I share a testimony? It ain't a testimony, really, but it's just how the devil whispers in our ear. Three, four years ago at our October meetings, and I may have shared this before, of course, I was hating my job, hating everything around me at that point. Sorry, I'm just honest. And I'm going to go a little bit longer, so don't worry. I came out here late. We'll go a little bit later tonight. But as I pulled out of the parking lot, Brother Aaron, Brother Ron preached that night on something on jealousy. Uh, I can't remember the top, name of the topic. But he spoke that night on that. 
Jesse at the altar. When I pulled out in my car onto the, or to the highway here, there was a big Mack truck coming. Satan whispered in my ear and said, pull right in front of that truck right now. I mean, I just left a, a, a wonderful service. But see, because I was in that low point, thinking, well, God don't care. They ain't going to care. You know, hey, maybe the people show up at my funeral. You know, that's what we think about when we think about suicide, right? Who's going to show up? You know, yeah, you, you're going to be the guest of honor. But that's how the devil works. Nobody cares. God don't care. Your church don't care. Nobody cares. If they cared, you wouldn't be going through this. And Satan says, pull out in front of that 18-wheeler. Brother Bram talked about that when he lost Sharon Rose and he lost his wife. He says, I was at the lowest moment. Lowest moment. But God cared. God was training his prophet. And so there's things that we go through where God trains us. And I want you to know the Bible tells us in Psalms 37, verse 25, if you'd put that up. It says, I've been young, and now I'm old. And my goodness, I feel old. I've been young, and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Why? Because he cares. That word forsaken there means to, to leave behind. To be abandoned, to be neglected, to be deserted. See, you may feel forsaken tonight. You may feel abandoned, deserted, forsaken by God, or deserted by your family, abandoned by the church. But I want you to know God cares. Yeah. You may be here tonight and you don't have any direction in life, no guidance. You may be even question what you believe, why you're even here, what is your purpose on earth. Feeling all alone, overwhelmed with, uh, with life and anger inside of you because things are not turning out the way you expected. And, but I want you to know tonight God cares. God cares. So much so that, yeah, it's a simple message, but he cares. So next time you're in that low point, next time you're in that valley, next time you're at that pivotal point, very weak, just come back to this. He cares. His eyes on the sparrow, Sister Ruth. He watched every one of my treatments. He's seen every treatment, provided every possible means necessary. God cares. We find here in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6, he said, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that goeth with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So in the midst of your trial, Brother Johnny, he'll not forsake you. In the midst of your sickness, Sister Jenny, I know you're not here tonight but he'll not forsake you. He cares enough to see you through. He cares enough to lead you to this church. He cares enough to lay it on a man's heart to speak to you, to remind you he cares. When there seems to be no one that cares, church, he cares. Let me share a testimony with you tonight when we start kind of wrapping this up. I got plenty of notes here, but we're just going to follow the leadership of the Lord. He would tell us, and I've got to get this first. This is in Isaiah 62. 
Isaiah 62 and verse 1 says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. And Zion is a representation of the bride. I'll not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest. Until the righteous thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all the kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name. Which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem into the hand of thy God. Thou shalt be no more termed forsaken. Ooh. Neither shall the land be any more termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hezebah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and the land shall be married. So we find here that this word Hezebah means my delight is in her. You're no longer going to be called desolate, forsaken, forgotten, abandoned, defeated. No, Hezebah. She was the queen of Hezekiah. So he's saying, you're my delight. You're my queen. Everything that I've ever done has been for you. Every prophet, every message, every preacher, every evangelist, no matter what, it's been all for you, my delight. Notice, and your land will no longer be called desolate, but it's going to be called Beulah, which means married. So now where Satan used to rule over this, now you rule over this and you rule over him because you're married to the word of God. The scripture tells us that we're the apple of his eye. We could go on and on. We may pick this back up at another time, but I want to get to this testimony. We find, Brother Brown preaches a message. He careth for you in 1960, and he preaches actually another message. He cares. So he preaches two of them on the same topic, and he goes in and he begins to talk about the blind man and how he was a beggar and how God cared enough for a blind man that he stopped him in his tracks. His prayer stopped. God in his tracks. And he talked about the leper and how nobody would touch him. They would just toss food to him and leave him out in the street. You know, they wouldn't do anything, wouldn't care for him, but God cared for him that he would come and take care of his leprosy. God cares. He cared enough for an immoral woman and he met her at the well when she was not supposed to be there or he was not supposed to be there at that time because she was an unrighteous woman. She had her own set time to come to the well to draw. But God cared enough that he had to go and get a seed. Then he brings it to 1960, and he talks about a Rosella Griffith. Alcohol Anonymous turned her out. Best hospitals in Chicago turned her out. But she came to a meeting, Brother Aaron. Sat in the back in the balcony. God began to move on her heart because he cared. See, we saw an alcoholic. She said her mom gave her a coat and she cut the inside of it out and she would put her whiskey bottles inside her coat so she wouldn't freeze to death at night on the streets of Chicago in the winter. But see, God, that's what we saw with our natural eyes. But God saw a seed. And God saw a seed that was laying in the gutter, but yet he saw the expected end for that seed. And God cared. And something urged her to come into a, a service that night. And begin to pull on her heart. He said, and the brother Ram says, he talked to her and he said, Now thus saith the Lord, from this hour on, no more alcohol. And I met Sister Rosella Griffith down at Jasper, Texas, many, many years ago when I was down there. And I didn't really know who the lady was. I just came into the message. I didn't know much about anything. 
But now I look back over and I read this testimony. I think, my God, how much do you really care? I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Even when you don't appear righteous, I've not seen you forsaken. Think about the widow's son of Nain, how he cared for her and how he cared for Mary and Martha. Their brother laid in the grave for four days. But even now, Lord. So here's a testimony of a young man, many of your peers. Some of you older ones. How many of y'all know Nathan Ball? I got a personal. I asked Brother Nathan. I said, Brother Nathan, do you mind sharing your testimony with me? Because I want to share it with the church. Let me just share the miraculous turnaround of Nathan Ball. Said, I was raised in the Methodist church, believed Brother Brandon was a prophet and would fight you. And he's a big dude. I mean, he ain't just big fat, he's big muscled. A dude can probably bench press this church. <laughs> he's big. But he says, I will fight you if you said anything different. He says, but I was I completely missed salvation. He goes, I've been at the altar several times in my life, and eventually I always got pulled back to the world. He got into drinking and drugs. When he was 17, 18, he ran down that road for 10 years. But as he was out in that road, he met his wife. And, you know, during that time, his wife gave her heart to the Lord, became a Christian. And he said, man, it just ruined all my party plans. He goes, but in 1998, I met Brother Ron Spencer, and I went to the altar at that service. And I was trying to start, to, trying to start living right. I gave up drugs and alcohol, but I was never completely surrendered. So that's why it takes a real touch. That's why we have camp meetings. That's why we have special services. That's why we allow the movement of the Spirit so you can get that touch. We don't try to limit that to just special services and special meetings, but you know we have those, but we also have great anointed men of God right here at this church. And we with your help create an atmosphere so people can get that touch. He got stayed in that state for four years, but one day as I was working, a guy gave me a pill and I started, and it started another form of drug abuse. You know, here he was now taking prescribed medication, thinking it was okay because now it's prescribed from the doctor and he become a prescribed or prescription drug addict. But yet he reasoned with it thinking, well, just because I got it from the doctor, it's okay. And, you know, and he goes on to church, no repenting, no remorse, no nothing, just going through life. But he said in 2006, I started drinking alcohol again. And within a few weeks, I was back on some hard, some of the hardest drugs imaginable. At the point that my life spiraled out of control, I lost my business. I lost my family. My wife got separated because I was so violent and so evil. This is his words to me. I hated anything to do with God or the message or the Bible. I started praying to the devil so I could always find drugs. How low can you get to pray to the devil to get your next hit? I lived in a house with no electricity, just doing drugs and drinking. I overdosed three times, contemplated suicide, but I was afraid to pull the trigger because I knew I was going to hell. Eventually, in 2009, I was arrested for drug and weapons charge, sent to a prison, and when the maximum security cell door slammed behind me, I had plenty of time to think about what I had become. But God, rich in mercy, this is his words, always had his eye, even in the darkest hell that I was in. And some of you here tonight got prodigals. And some of your prodigals are all tatted up, drugged up, drunk up, whatever it may be, put it there. But I want you to know they're not in this spot. Don't you give up on that loved one. Amen. 
God can throw them in prison to get their attention. Because he cares. Notice, here he was in drugs. Now he's in prison. And he goes, I was shipped to Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth, federal prison there. I met a Seventh-day Adventist preacher who eventually got through to me and told me that he was the reason that I was there. You think, well, my, how in the world is this Seventh-day Adventist preacher the reason? What's he doing in jail? Well, he had a great big long last name. He was from Africa, and he was a very wealthy man, and he shortened his name on his uh, passport, and they threw him in jail for forgery. And, but he was there, and he began to witness and begin to talk to Brother Nathan about God and the Bible. He says, during this time, he goes, goes, I was in prison and I was put there in a cell with a guy and we started talking about the Bible and somehow got on the serpent's head and he asked me if I believed that Eve had sex with a serpent. And I said, yeah, actually I do. He says, that, he says then he says to me, there was a, a, my, this guy said that my cellmate before you told me about the serpent's seed and a man named William Branham, which he nearly made me fall off my bunk. Then a few days later, a box showed up addressed to my cellmate that was from Voice of God recording with complete, a whole box of complete message books. You don't think God cares? His cellmate's gone, but the books came to him because now God is coming for his seat. God is determined to get his elect. He's not going to lose one. Let me tell you, mom and dad, hold on to that son. Hold on to that daughter. God cares. In the prison, he cares. If I make my bed in hell, he cares. If I lift it up in heaven, he cares. Wherever I am, he cares. No matter how long the pit, my God cares. Don't you give up tonight. It can be tatted up, drunk up, drunk up. It don't matter. God knows how to reach his own. God knows how to shake him. If God had to start a fiery furnace to have fellowship, he threw this brother in prison because he cares. See, some of us are stubborn, more stubborn than others, and it takes prison. And notice what he says. Now, let me finish this. In 2010, we got locked down in a cell for some reason that and I was in a cell by myself, didn't have a cellmate, but a very strong urge to do drugs came over me. And he goes, I got on my knees and I cried out to God, God, please help me change I'll serve you the best that I can with the rest of my life. You just take this urge from me. And he goes, I didn't see lights. I didn't hear angels singing. I didn't feel anything. But in my heart, I knew something was different. Because the lust, strong desire for drugs, and the things that I was doing was totally and completely gone. Because God cares. Because God cares. He goes, I just looked up and said, thank you, Lord. And he goes, and from that time on, from that day, I've been a different man. And God's restored my family, and God's restored my business. And his wife said that prison was the answer to her prayer. So, Mama, you're praying for that boy? It may be prison. Praying for that daughter? It may be a well service. We have some meter at the well. But God cares. God cares. And play that, play this clip. So I want to share this clip with you, and we'll bring this to a close. Musicians can make their way back. This, this is in regards to Brother Reed Ball and Brother Elijah Ball. This is Brother Nathan's two sons. They were just visiting Brother Ron's a couple weeks ago, and I got permission to clip this out and share it. I want you to hear Brother Reed's testimony in Brother Reed's own words. Play it if you would. It was going to be a Another big day in the gym, you know. And uh, 
little did I know it was going to be something completely different. And uh, got out of the gym, still had a feeling that something was going to happen. And I called one of my buddies. He didn't answer. We usually go eat breakfast on Fridays, Saturdays. And uh, so normal breakfast, breakfast spot I drove by, and it was, uh, it was really packed. So I said, I'm just going to go to Waffle House. And so I walked into Waffle House and uh, go and sit down at the bar because the place is full. And uh, there's an older gentleman walked in behind me, and there was two seats in between me. And he sits at one, on one of the empty seats on the other side. And behind him comes another, another couple. Like I said, the place was full. So he looks at me and says, uh, would you scoot down so, so they could sit down? And um, I was like, man, this old man isn't going to tell me what to do. You know, I just came out of the gym. And uh, I look back because still, I still got a little nice bone in me. But I look back, asked me if they needed to sit down and... And uh, they said, no, there's a booth about to come open. So I just went back to drinking my coffee and kind of gave this older man the cold shoulder. And uh, he still tries to talk to me. Like I said, I give him the cold shoulder. Then he starts talking about Fords, which we're Ford people over here. Yeah. But um, That's how you get to heaven. he said he drove us. <laughs> <laughs> he said he drove a 7.3 Ford. So I was like, man, I used to drive one of those. And, you know, he just started talking about that. And then... Uh, Another thing was he got his food before me, so I was like, oh, man, come on. You know, I walk in before him ordering, he gets his food before me too. So, But uh, anyway, he, he looks at me and he says, uh, you know, it's not a coincidence that you're, you're, you're here today or I'm here. And because uh, God knows it all, you know. He said, it's not a coincidence you're here today. And uh, he says, do you know where you're going to go today if you die? And I was like, oh, man, I hear, I've heard this so many times. And so I just kind of look away and start eating and say, uh, you know, that's kind of a complex question. Just continue to eat. And then just something comes over me, and I just start crying. And I say, you know, man, uh, it's not a complex question. I know where I'm going to go today, and it's not going to be a very good place if I died right now. And, uh, and he says, I continue eating. And he says, brother, you know, that uh, you only get so many chances of God knocking on your door. And I've been in and out of church, and I'll be honest with you, that, that was the third time that uh, the good Lord has dealt with me. And uh, I'm pretty sure three is a good number, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And uh, he says, uh, he says, you got, this is your chance today. He says, you're going to make one of the biggest and most important decisions of your life. And I don't say anything. You know, he gets up to walk out. And I asked him his name. Or no, he asked me my name. And I tell him, you know, read ball. And, and then before he walks out, I say, uh, you know, sir, what's your name? And he looks at me and says, you'll remember me by Rich in Christ. Is what he said his name was. And he walks out the door, turns around, looks at me one more time and says, I'll see you up there. Never seen him since. And after that, I just drive home just crying, you know, just asking the Lord, repenting, asking you know, what, what, what must I do and go home? And, uh, I just, I call up my pastor, brother Donnie, cause I live in Johnson city and say, I need to get baptized. He says, when son? And I say, right now, I, I don't know if I have an hour, or, you know, a year or two left. I just, I just, I want to do it now. And he says, well, how long has the Lord been dealing with you? And I say, honestly, brother Donnie, he never stopped. You know, he said, well, that sounds like our God. And I go go to his house, and he has a pool there, 
and I get baptized, and uh, nothing crazy happens. You know, I don't feel no 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 crazy inside of me, and you know. But whenever I got out of the pool and I started walking up his big hill, I just realized that all my burdens and all the cares that I had before, the worries and everything, was just gone. And I want to praise God for that. And he's, he's seen me through. Elijah's 21. 22. 22. Sorry, it's a big deal. Big difference. But God did a work for him in his life and he was living in Johnson City with Reed and God began to deal with him and brother Tim Pruitt if I I can share this with you brother Tim Pruitt his first service back and and even brother Nathan thought you know I don't want him home he's messed up I don't want him in my life he's messed up he's you know he's He's doing a lot of bad things. And these boys never realized six weeks ago doing drugs, they'd be sitting on this pulpit today. <laughs> Isn't God good? And, and so anyway, his wife is, and he gets a text while the sermon's going forward. And Brother Joseph Hammond just begins to speak some things in prophecy. This boy comes home. And Brother Tim Pruitt preaches the next Sunday, and he hits repentance. Then the next Sunday, Brother Joseph Hamid is up during the night, all night, kind of like I was last night, all night. And he said, God's dealt with me to preach repentance again. And then at the end of the service, Brother Elijah walks to the, to the altar with his dad. And brother, and brother Joseph said, God showed me two boys that was coming to the Lord. And brother Elijah gave his heart to the Lord. Because he cares. So God is determined. If you just play that song. Uh, where's brother Mike at? It's, uh, yeah, he cares. He cares for you. He's determined, church, not to lose one. If he had to go to Jericho for one, if he had to go to prison for one, if he had to show up in a nasty Waffle House for one, what would he do for you tonight? For one. That's just for one. He cares. Cares so much, we got living testimonies. Cancer defeated all throughout this church because he cares. Families restored because he cares. Prodigals coming home. Because he cares. 
Manny, don't back off that promise. He's coming because he cares. Sister Laura, he knows what he promised you in Arizona. He cares. Young people, Joseph, Satan's attacked you in your sinuses. But I want you to know tonight, he cares. He cares for you. Sister Doretha, Brother Johnny, he knows the prayers that you guys have prayed. And he cares. Though I make my bed in hell, he's there. Because he cares. And if he could do that for Rahab, if he could do that for the woman at the well, if he could do that for Brother Nathan Ball, Brother Elijah Ball, Brother Reed Ball, Brother Philip, different ones, what will he do for us tonight? You say, well, Brother Joe, God's forsaken me. That's not what the Bible says about it. Let me bring this to a close right here. The Bible tells us, he says, but Zion said, the Lord had forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. This is in Isaiah 49, 14. Can a woman forget her suckling child? She that has not have compassion on her son of her womb, yea, they, had, they may forget, yet I will not forget. Behold, I have engraven you on the palms of my hand. Elijah, he ain't forgot about you. He still cares. He's still pulling. He's still drawing. Through all that adversity, he's still moving on your heart because he knows he's got to get you to an expected place, to an expected end. God's got an expected plan for you, son. God does. And if he would do that for all these others in the Bible, what would he do for us tonight? At Evening Light Tabernacle, some of your homes are all messed up. Some of your marriages are in shambles. Some of your fighting sicknesses and battles. But I'm here to tell you and proclaim to you, he cares tonight. Some of you are praying for loved ones. Some of you are praying for your sons. Some of you are praying for your daughters to come back and take their seat. I'm here to tell you, he cares. If he can go to a prison and get a man so strung out on drugs, what can he do for you tonight and for your loved one and for your son and for your daughter? I'm telling you, he cares tonight. Oh, Jesus cares. He cares for you. All your worrying ain't going to help you make it through your cares upon him throw your cares upon him tonight you got a need tonight he cares got a sickness he cares got a situation you don't have answers to tonight he cares if you got a need I want you to come because he cares tonight go ahead brother Mike he cares he knows your heart's desire tonight brother Timmy didn't give up on you because he cares he cares for the winner's family because he's got little winners up here even you yeah God cares God cares Allison
salvation. 